As someone who has sight, I can't imagine what it's like being blind. Now, I don't mean that I can't imagine what it's like to have to overcome adversity and adapt to the world around you. I mean, I physically and literally cannot imagine what it's like to not have sight. The best description that I have heard is that a blind person sees nothing. And right now you're thinking, yeah, that's real rocket science there, Father Dan, thanks. But what I mean is when we close our eyes, we see blackness. When a blind person closes their eyes or keeps them open, doesn't really matter, they see nothing. The best description that I have heard of this, or the way to understand this, is if you close one of your eyes while keeping the other one open, and then try and describe what you see out of your closed eye. You literally see nothing. I have a whole parishioner full of pirates right now looking at me like this. <laughs> now imagine that you're born blind, but not only are you born blind, but you're born a hunchback. You have one leg significantly shorter than the other. And if that wasn't enough, you're also born with dwarfism. That doesn't seem very fair, does it? Now, if that wasn't bad enough, imagine having all of these ailments during the end of the 13th century. Oh, and also, your rich parents of noble birth are so ashamed of you that after your birth, which they have anticipated greatly, they just tell everyone that you died. This was the life of St. Margaret of Costello, a beautiful soul given a misshapen body. But don't worry, it only gets worse from there. Her parents, knowing that they couldn't keep her hidden in the castle without somebody discovering her existence, decided as a gift to her that they would build her a cottage. At the age of six years old, already having developed a deep prayer life and devotion to the sacraments, they built her a retreat house connected to the side of a church with one window that could be opened so she could participate during Mass, but no one could see her, and then shut for the next 23 hours of the day. She was put in this hermitage, and the fourth wall was built behind her. There were no doors. For 13 years, Margaret was imprisoned by her own parents. And yet she did not become bitter. At any time, she could have said, this isn't fair. How come I am being punished? But she knew that it wasn't a punishment. She had been given an opportunity to love God through the pain, through the heartbreak, through the bad decisions of those closest to her who were supposed to love her the most. The first reading tells us that God is a God of justice. He is perfect justice. He does not play favorites, and we cannot do anything to win his affection. For he already loves us, and proof of his love for us is the fact that we just exist. Margaret knew that God loved her very deeply, even though she was given all of the ailments previously listed. She never doubted his love and never doubted his divine providence. But what do we do when we feel like life isn't fair? Like we have been being tested by God longer than anyone else we know. 
How do we hope in the midst of continued trials? St. Paul tells us in the second reading that at his first trial, he was abandoned by everyone in his great time of need. The only thing, the only person that he has to rely on is Jesus, who stands by him and gives him strength. He doesn't care about what's fair and what's not. He only cares about relying on Jesus. And as good Catholics, we should have that attitude as well. But here's the problem. Life is hard, and sometimes it really hurts, and it doesn't seem fair. And in the midst of suffering, no logical argument seems to help, because the only thing we can see is our pain. But to quote one of my favorite priests, Father Mike Schmitz, suffering without Jesus just hurts. Suffering with Jesus can change the world. Because we don't just suffer alone, even if we are physically alone. We suffer with the rest of those in the body of Christ who are experiencing suffering We suffer with those who don't have enough food. We suffer with those who don't have a safe place to sleep at night. We suffer with those who aren't even treated with the basic human dignity. And by this, we build up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ, as St. Paul tells us. But most importantly, we suffer with the suffering Christ, who came to earth, took on flesh, and knows what it's like to suffer, even to the point of death. Margaret was eventually let out of her cell because her parents wanted to bring her to a tomb of a saint where miracle cures were being reported. And do you know what happened? They placed her in front of that tomb and let her pray there for hours, and when they saw that she was in fact not being healed, they completely abandoned her, left her all alone, crippled, blind, and in a city that she had never been to before. And instead of saying, this isn't fair, she continued to live in perfect trust of God. She eventually entered a convent and life got better for her. I'm just kidding. This is the life of Margaret of Costello. Everything is terrible. She got kicked out of that convent eventually because she made the other lazy nuns feel bad for how rigorous she was at prayer and fasting. Believing in God doesn't guarantee that we won't continue to suffer, but it does give us the strength to rely only on God for happiness. It takes what isn't fair and allows us to still find joy in it. Margaret was one of the most joyful people around, and she brought that joy to the poor, the sick, and the dying, when she could have chosen to be one of the most miserable and self-centered people around. Margaret eventually joined the Dominican order and finally had the family that she had longed for her entire life. She finally had a stable roof over her head and nothing to worry about. And you know what she did? The exact same thing she did when she had none of that. She took care of the poor, the sick, and the dying. 
I was speaking recently with one of our wonderful Dominican sisters. Based on what I say, I'll let you guess which one. But she said one of the most beautiful and close-to-home-hitting things that I have heard all year. She said, you know, Father, when things are going well, I get angry at God that he doesn't trust me with more suffering. And when things are tough, I get angry that things are so hard. That is beautifully honest. This week, don't pray for an easy life. Pray to be stronger. Don't pray for problems equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your problems. At least this is the lesson that blessed Solanus Casey was always teaching. The most practical way to do that is to pray one of the most simple and effective prayers that there is. Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. We can pray for an easier life, and we can be disappointed a lot. Or we can pray for God's perfect will to be done, and be amazed at how he takes care of the things, people, and situations that we feel powerless to help or change. Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything.